Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I didn't know anything about anything. All I knew is I want to tell people about Jesus. That's all I knew. Nobody told me anything. Nobody told me nothing. So I just did it the way I thought. I went out on the corner. I'm standing there, and I'm reading the Bible. I got this big old Bible in my hand, and I'm all dressed up, and I'm yelling. I'm screaming. I'm reading the scriptures. I'm like one of those guys you see that you go on the other side of the street. Y'all know who I'm talking. Y'all know who I'm talking about. That, that guy. I was that guy. And I would, you know, I'm like reading the Bible. I'm like, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by that. Yes. You must be born again. You will not see the kingdom of God. I'm like yelling. Oceanside, California. I'm standing on the street. Camp Pendleton, Marine Corps base, Camp Pendleton, Oceanside, California. And I'm standing, I'm yelling, I'm screaming, I'm reading the Bible. And, um, and I, I wondered why nobody was on my side of the street. <laughs> and I was like, why is no, everybody's walking over there. Nobody's on my side of the street. I just remember thinking that. And then, so I would run people down because nobody would come near me. So I would run people down. I'd be like, hey, you! You, hey man, because keep in mind, I'm witnessing now. I'm, I'm, I'm witnessing, okay, I'm going to get somebody saved. So I'm, I'm like, hey, you, you, hey, come here, Marine, come here. You know Jesus? He's like looking at me like, uh, do you know Jesus? And I was saying, the first thing I would say to him, listen, <laughs> if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. You know, and then I realized, and, and over time, you know, I, I got actually good at this. I really got good and creative about sharing ways to tell people that they were going to hell. And I realized that that's not witnessing. Amen. That's a lunatic, okay? If you learn how to witness, you want to learn how to witness, learn from the best. Jesus is the best. He leads people and loves people. I was reading this article even just last week from Barner Research Group, and perhaps some of you know who they are. And, and, and they were talking about effective witnessing. Listen to this. And sharing your faith and how people come to Christ. And the results were interesting. Listen, 1% of people come to Christ from a 12-step program. of people come to Christ through the birth of a child. In other words, having children will make you come to Christ. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Having kids, where my parents at? Having kids will make you come to Christ. Or make you go to jail. (laughs) Yes, it will. 2%. Come to Christ through the birth of a child. You know, it's all nice and that. You know, oh, yeah, we just raise them to be Jesus' children. You know, like that. 
Um, 3% come to Christ independently reading the Bible. 3% come to Christ watching Christian television. 4% come to Christ by Christian witnessing tracts. 5% come to Christ through an evangelical event like a Christian um, outreach or crusade or something like that. 6% come to Christ healed of a physical problem. 10% come to Christ, a friend shared the gospel with them. 14% come to Christ, bought the church, responded to the sermon. 14% come to Christ, was raised in a Christian home. 24% of the people come to Christ through spiritual conversation with a family member. In other words, saints, listen, the highest percentage of people that come to Christ is because they were impacted by someone they knew personally. In other words, you can't argue with fruit. You can't argue with a changed life. If I tell you that in January 22nd, I was walking like this and doing these kind of things, but January 23rd, God changed my life, and now here it is 30 years later, and my life is still changed, and I'm still walking with God. You can't argue with that fact that God really did do a work. Am I right about it? Am I right about it? You can't argue with fruit. You can't argue with that. There's a noticeable change in this woman. These men that she's witnessing to, they can't argue with it. There's a noticeable change. She goes out and she tells others to come and see. Look at verse 30. It tells us the men of the city came out to hear him. Now, maybe they came out to find out what he knew. Amen. Some of y'all get that on the way home. To find out what he knew or they came out to find out if he was truly the Messiah. Either way, they came out. This section, listen, that we're in this morning is actually in three parts. The first part is verse 27 through 30. The second part is verse 39 through 42. And in the middle, saints, listen, in verse 31 through 38, Jesus is acting like God and revealing the coming kingdom in an interesting illustration. Look at verse 31. The disciples are back with food. Probably bought some swarmers and some falafels and some hummus. Y'all know what swarmers are? Falafels. Who had a swarmer? Who had a swarmer? Who had a falafel? Who like hummus? I don't like none of that. <laughs> I ain't like none. Of that. Ain't no. Ain't nothing with with swarm in it. That sounds like flies or something. I, I don't know. I'm not eating that. Anyway, they said Jesus because they came back with like Jewish food. They said Jesus. You need to eat something. In verse 32, Jesus said, I have meat to eat. Look at verse 32. I have meat to eat of which you do not know. And you know, the disciples, they weren't the most spiritual bunch. They're thinking, I can't believe we went all the way into town and Jesus has a sack lunch on the side <laughs> or somebody brought him something. In verse 34, Jesus said, my food is to do the will, to do his will and to finish the work. Now, this is a very strange and radical statement as well. Almost incomprehensible. Very strange. Why? Because food is what you need in order to work. Food is what gives you strength for work. Jesus is saying, I'm strengthened to do what God has given me to do by doing what God has given me to do. Jesus is saying, my source of energy for doing God's will is doing God's will. Only God can talk like this. Humans and people need sources outside of themselves. God gets his source of power from within himself. As a man, Jesus got tired and thirsty and hungry and weary. But as God, his power to act was to act. 
So listen, Jesus is revealing himself to be more than a human. He's telling everyone he's God. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. So the question is, what is the will of him who sent him? Well, the will of the one, if you're taking notes, the will of the one who sent him, you can write this down, is eternal life. John 6, 39. This is the will of the father who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up at the last day that speaks to eternal life. John 12, 49, in the first part of 50, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. So when Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me, he means my food is to give eternal life. He means the source of my strength is to give eternal life. He means I give life because I am life. He means I am the way, the truth, and the, somebody help me, life. He means my food is to be what I am, and I am living water. I am the bread from heaven. I don't just eat food. I am food. I don't get life. I am life, and I give life. Can somebody say amen? I'm going to wait while you clap your hands there. That's all right. Now, question. How can energy-expending work be energy-giving food? How can energy-expending work be energy-giving food? Well, listen. When you join your hand to God's favorite enterprise, which is kingdom work, there's a special provision from the Lord. And the very doing of the work gives you an intimate communion with the heart of God. So much so that giving becomes getting and feeding becomes eating. Think about it. Isn't it true? The more you serve, the more you want to serve. When you give yourself to serving God and the work of the ministry, God gives himself to you. Where am I saying that? Say amen. When you pour out for God, God pours more life into you. The more you share God, the more God shares of himself with you. Jesus is simply saying there is nothing more satisfying than serving God. In verse 35 through 38, it seems that Jesus takes a twist and begins to talk about sowing and reaping. Look at it. Keep in mind Jesus has just been talking about eternal life. And if that be true, and it is, then this section makes complete sense. Jesus tells the disciples, don't say we have four months and then comes harvest, but lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already ripe for harvest. Now, many of you know, in ordinary harvesting, I need you to help me. In ordinary harvesting, harvesting, There is a time to sow and what? A time to reap. And there's a time in between. But in the spiritual realm, that's not true. Verse 35, Jesus says, you say there are four months till harvest. In other words, you think of fixed times between sowing and reaping. Jesus would say, that's not the way I want you to look at the kingdom. Don't be mechanistic or fatalistic and don't think of fixed timings or patterns. Don't sow and then go back to ordinary stuff with no expectancy. Instead, Jesus says, lift up your eyes and be on the lookout. The fields are white and ready for harvest. Now, saints, listen, look at me. I want you to understand something. When Jesus said this, he said this. As the men of Samaria are coming out to see him. Remember the woman went out and now they're coming back. Well, as the men of Samaria are coming out to see him wearing their white turbans, Jesus would say, 
Look up and look out. The fields are white and ready for harvest. Jesus is telling them the harvest is the Samaritans. They're the ones you need to reap. They're the ones who need to come into the kingdom. They're the ones who are ready for salvation. When the disciples looked up, they saw a group of Samaritans coming in white. And Jesus uses as a sermon illustration. Keep your eyes peeled. People are ready to come into the kingdom because someone has been sowing and someone has to reap. Look at verse 36. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life and that both he who sows and he who reaps may do what? Rejoice together. In other words, some people are sowers and some people are reapers. Some people would love to, love to share the word. I love to share the word. I'm a sower. Uh, the word sow actually in the Greek language uh, literally means a broadcaster. It means a broadcaster. In other words, the, the sower will be walking through the field and, and he got like a little sowy, uh, uh, a bag on him with seed in it. And he would take his hand and dip it in the bag, grab a bunch of seed, pull it out and broadcast it over the field. A sower is a broadcaster. I'm a sower I'm throwing seed. I like to throw seed and share the word of God. I love to share the word of God on an airplane. I love to share the word of God on an airplane because I got a captive audience. You can't go nowhere if you're 35,000 feet in the air, right? Except to the bathroom and you got to come out of there because other people are out there waiting, right? So I love it. You got a captive audience. Somebody sitting next to you, I, I do it all the time. I take my Bible out. Just wait till we get about 17, 18,000 feet. You know, I clock these things. And, uh, and I take my Bible out and I'm reading. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm and, you know, sometimes I, I chuckle like I'm reading something great and funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I look over to the person, hey, how you doing? You know, when you say hi to somebody next to you in the seat, you go, hey, how you doing? Great. All right. And then, and then I'm looking for opportunities now because I'm about to sew. Okay? I'm about to sew. So I'm, 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 I'm looking for opportunities. And sometimes when, you know, we try to sow seed or share the word of God is what I'm talking about. Are y'all with me? Hmm? Ten of y'all with me. Are y'all with me? All right. So I'm trying to sow. And I'm trying to sow some seed. So sometimes, you know, it's just going to be awkward. You just got to face it. I mean, sometimes getting into the word of God and sharing it with people is just awkward. Admit it. Get over it. Deal with awkward. Okay. And I just say, go for it. Okay. So, hey. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, okay, great. I'm reading my Bible. I go, uh, hey, uh, th- this is a Bible. <laughs> okay. Uh, have you ever read it? Uh, yeah. What'd you think about it? You never know. I mean, I have shared the Lord with so many people on an airplane. Again, you've got a captive audience. You, you never know. And, and some people sow. And, and it's that word that you share with that person on the airplane. Maybe a month later, somebody else shares and sows seed in that person. And a month later from there, somebody sows seed in that person. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit waters that seed. Maybe they go to church and the Holy Spirit waters that seed. And then somebody comes along and, sow, and then reaps because they say to that same person, Oh, well, you know, Jesus loves you and wants, to, wants you to get saved and, 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 and hey, you want to give your life to Christ? And they go, yes. Well, see, that had nothing to do with you, Mr. Reaper. It had everything to do with the non-people who sowed the seed prior to you. 
and the word of God, some sow, some reap, but God gives the increase. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. And that's how the kingdom works. And we rejoice together. In other words, everybody's job is important. There should never be competition. Everybody should be excited because people are coming into the kingdom. Am I right about it? And we should never be jealous of a church down the street that's growing quicker than we are or larger than we are or someone is being more mightily used and you are not because that only reveals your immaturity as a believer. It also reveals your lack of understanding of kingdom principles. And what are they? Here's a kingdom principle for you. It's not about you. Did you know that? Write that down. The kingdom is not about you. It's about God. It's about people coming into the kingdom. It's about souls being saved. And it doesn't matter who or what God uses to get that soul saved as long as that soul gets saved. No ministry competition. Everybody is important. In verse 38, Jesus said, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Jesus is saying he had been witnessing to the Samaritan woman sowing. The Samaritan woman had gone witnessing to her friends mostly men, and now they're coming to the well to hear him. So they're reaping in an area that they did not sow. Jesus has sown into this woman, and the woman is sown into her community. Verses 39 through 40, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. Look at verse 40. Jesus stayed in Samaria for 48 hours. I almost titled this sermon, 48 Hours with Jesus. These 48 hours with Jesus sows the seeds of revival in Samaria. Homework, Acts chapter 8. Read it in your own time. There's a great revival that happened in Samaria. And the reason for this great revival is the seeds that were planted by Jesus in this, by Jesus and this woman. The townspeople believed because of the woman's word and then more believed because of Jesus' word. And revival happened in Samaria. And then they, the townspeople in verse 42, said, now we believe, look at verse 42. Now we believe not because of what you said. Are y'all with me? But because of what we heard, we know he is the Christ, the savior of the world. Note, first the woman's testimony, then Jesus' testimony. After they hear Jesus' testimony, they believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah coming to the world to rescue the world. Now, listen, I'm coming in for a landing here. Look at me. Don't you find it interesting that half-breeds, these Samaritans that Jews considered half-breeds, these hated people, Jews hated Samaritans, they were very racist They hated Samaritans and the Jews would pray every day that I pray that a Samaritan not make it in the resurrection. They hated Samaritans because they were half-breeds. They were intermarrying and messing up the bloodline. And so Jews hated Samaritans. Don't you find it interesting that these people that are hated most by the Jews, that are looked at as rejects and people that God doesn't love are the very same people who are the first to say that he is the Messiah, the savior of the world, that he has come to save the world. Those that are rejected are the first to acknowledge the fact that Jesus came to save the world. On the other hand, you have the religious folk 
the Pharisees and people who are supposed to love God and people who are supposed to know the word and people who are supposed to know that he's the savior of the world. Well, those are the people who rejected him, crucified him, nailed him to a cross. Don't you find that interesting? Because I see it as religion is very blinding, isn't it? And God is not into religion. Did you hear me? God is not into religion. People say, oh, I'm glad you found religion. I did not find religion. I found a relationship with the Lord and the Savior of the world, the one who created the world. I have a relationship with him. He knows me and I know him. And that's called a relationship. That's not about religion. Religion kills. Religion is bigotry. Religion is racist. Yeah, I said it. It's racist. Somebody told me just yesterday that that they went to a church, a biracial couple, went to a church, and I ain't going to tell you which side of the race it was on. Y'all like, who was it? Who was it? I ain't going to tell you. But they went to a church, and and the people said, well, you know, <laughs> well, oh, it's nice that you came, and we're so happy you came, but that's probably not the church for you. This is probably not the church for you. You know what I would have said? Thank God I ain't God. You know, if I was God, I'd have, I'd have blew that church up. Yes, I would. I'd have set that thing on fire. Set it on fire. Yes, I would. Thank God I ain't God. Y'all better thank him. <laughs> yes, I would. This ain't the church. I would have said to them, you know what? You're right. This ain't the church for me. Because, you know, y'all about religion. Religion. Bigots. Racists. God is not into religion. God is into a relationship. Your religion cannot save you. Your tithing cannot save you. Your church attendance cannot save you. That's all religion. Darn. Your offerings cannot save you. Your church attendance cannot save you. None of these things. Only Jesus can save you. And to whom the Son sets free. Yes, sir. You better believe it. Interesting, a surprising spiritual awakening happens with an unlikely woman to unlikely people coming to an unlikely town of people. God uses surprising instruments to reach people, doesn't he? He just might use you if you open your mouth. I was encouraging him last service. Can I encourage you this service? Don't let Satan silence you. I still believe, I'm from the old school, y'all. I still believe Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. I still believe that. Don't let the world silence you. This country needs Jesus today more than ever. More than ever. People... Going in schools, blowing up, shooting up kids. This is a hated nation. We are a hated nation by other nations. So hated that people are willing to blow themselves up, to blow up a city. 
And if you are so blind that you do not see that this world, this country is in trouble. And the only answer and the only way out is Jesus. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. And if you don't tell them, they ain't going to know. You got to tell them. You got to be like this woman and go and tell them. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Yes, he is. Come see a man who died for your sins. Is not this the Christ? You got to share. You got to witness. Don't let Satan silence you. And no, you don't need to be weird and wacko like me. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.